Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF Relationships with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to talk with you this week about all things related to relationships, attachment style, and communication. These are my favorite things. And I myself am a relationship and communication coach. And today I'm going to be talking with you about the intoxication of chaos to the fearful avoidant. The fearful avoidant loves, absolutely loves chaos. So today I'm just going to talk a little bit more about why that is, how that manifests, um, like what are the huge positives from that? And then just one clear, easy, simple tool to start to reprogram if you are finding yourself as a fearful avoidant addicted to chaos then um, this small, tiny tool is just going to help you to start to reprogram a little bit of self-trust and get you a little bit less addicted to that chaotic nature. Very excited. As always, I'm going to start this episode with my own little check-in. And today, I'm just so excited to tell you that I have officially started couples counseling again with my husband. We did this for several years, um, many years ago. And we had the most amazing couples therapist. And we are just right back at it with her again today. My husband and I are in a bicultural relationship. We're both from two different countries. We are, you know, native languages, two different languages. So you can imagine that there's just a lot of um, (laughs) moments where we're not fully understanding each other. And then layer on top of that, the fact that we have a 15-month-old son officially tomorrow, 15 months. So exciting. And so we just, it's just time. It's time for us to get back into it. I'm really excited. We had our first session today. And honestly, I just feel so relieved. Like there's going to kind of like a, a path forward and some support on the path, which is why I love coaching. I love therapy. I love counseling, all of those things. I think they work really well together because you're just getting some support. You're you're processing with someone else. You're getting a third-party view. It's just such a win-win. So I'm sure I'll be back here talking during my, my little check-ins about how it's going. But that has got me super pumped and just um, so grateful. Like so like heart-opened, expansive, loving, and grateful. It feels so good. So let's get into the topic for today, which is why does the fearful avoidant thrive in chaos? And here's the deal. The fearful avoidant, if you're new to attachment styles, is a blend between um, the anxious preoccupied and the dismissive avoidant attachment style. Um, They represent the smallest portion of the population and they tended to experience a lot of chaos in their household growing up. I highly recommend if you haven't heard attachment about attachment styles before, just pause, go back to episode 102 where I do the overview of each of the different attachment styles and then come back here. But just real quick as a reminder, 
the fearful avoidant oscillates between anxious, preoccupied, and dismissive avoidant in relationships. And this can manifest as looking hot and cold, um, so charming and like such an amazing listener, especially like on a first date or when they're starting to get to just know a friend or like a new office space. And um, once they start to like someone, aka that's also known as forming an attachment to someone, then all of a sudden, their fear of attachment and their fear of what it means to be close to someone else because of their upbringing kind of rears up and then swings them in the more avoidant direction. So all of a sudden they're like, no, no, please, no, I don't, I don't actually want this. This doesn't feel safe. I need space. I need to go process alone. And it can be so confusing to I'm going to say mostly the fearful avoidant that's experiencing this because they're like, wait a second, just a week ago, I was really into you and now I don't want anything to do with you. So it can be very confusing. But what's going on with the fearful avoidant is that they could not trust their caregiver growing up. And so therefore, they don't trust others in relationships, which can be really difficult. One of my favorite things about fearful avoidance is that they expect others to be like fully congruent in their thoughts, words, actions, beliefs, and communication style. So they're expecting everyone else to be totally in line with what they say that they're going to do. And if someone steps out of that, uh, that just throws them into a tailspin. And honestly, I can't even tell you how many times I have done this in my own marriage of, you know, my husband says, okay, I'm going to go for a bike ride tomorrow. And then he wakes up in the morning, he doesn't go on the bike ride. And I'm like, but you said you're going to do that. But like, like what's happening? Like, can I trust anything? <laughs> like, it just makes me like question everything, right? So the reason that they thrive in chaos, and I just want to like, uh, today we're talking specifically about chaos. The reason that they thrive in chaos is because that is, and this is according to the personal development school, I want to give credit where credit is due that the chaos is their subconscious comfort zone. That is what they grew up in and that's where they feel very comfortable in their life. So I'll give an example from my own life because I always love to give examples. I grew up in a very chaotic household, lots of abuse, lots of physical abuse, some alcohol addiction, some lots of addiction. I'm just going to put multiple things on that list. (laughs) So much codependency, some narcissistic parenting, just like, I'm just trying to list off all the things that we're dealing with. And then on top of that, some mental health issues that were not being addressed. So just tons of room for chaos, which meant at any point in my childhood, you know, there could be an explosive reaction to something that would then have a turn of events where all of a sudden everyone's yelling and arguing, and then that would lead to some physical abuse. So it was like, intermittent. You never knew when it was going to happen. So you kind of always had to be ready for it to happen. And then of course, the repair afterwards. For me, my experience with repair was always like the apologies came quick, but there was never any actual like addressing of the change. So apologies meant nothing growing up, which, you know, gave me this huge core wound about apologies. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this. That's my, that's my own baggage that I'm just sharing with you. But I hope that kind of paints the picture of like, okay, so when you grow up in that type of environment, and it doesn't necessarily have to be as extreme as I'm describing um, in the book, Polysecure by Jessica Fern, who has been on this podcast. 
on episode 114. You can listen to it. I suggest afterwards. But she talks about how the fearful avoidant attachment type can actually be created if you grew up in a household that was super busy. So if you had a lot of commitments, you can see this a lot in like very affluent families, privileged families, where there's a lot of expectations on who you are as a person and like the things that you've either accomplished or what you've done or what you know. So then that means the family can be really oriented towards doing a lot of activities. And maybe you're just like constantly rushing from one activity to the next. Zero time to process, zero downtime to rest, anything like that. It was just like, go, 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 go. And this like really intense pressure to keep up. So that can be a different type of chaotic upbringing that maybe you're experiencing. I'm just trying to give examples here so that you can kind of play around with this concept and think like, okay, does this apply to me? Does this apply to the person that I'm you know, in a relationship with? That type of thing. So what's happening is the fearful avoidant is growing up around chaos. And then as an adult, what happens is we get into a new environment, ideally. And oftentimes the environments that we find ourselves in as adults are safe right? We don't have that parent ruling our life anymore with their totally unpredictable behavior that's like a little bit chaotic and we'll just never know when something's going to happen. So all of a sudden, as an adult, we crave the chaos because we're like, that's the excitement. That's kind of brings us into a lot of different things. And what's happening when we're experiencing chaos is sometimes that brings us into the present moment. So I work with a lot of clients who tend to disassociate. I I have struggled with my own disassociation my whole life. I'll just like space out and be in a totally different zone. Um, While, you know, people, the people around me are talking at me and I'm just like, I'm in a totally different world right now. So what's happening is when they get into that chaos, it can kind of wake them back up. And all of a sudden, everything's clear. They're in the present moment. And they can really go into kind of like um, either fix-it mode or like task-oriented mode where you're like, okay, we're in crisis and now we've got to do X, Y, and Z to get out of the crisis. And so that can just really get them into their bodies, into the present moment, which can really make you feel alive. It can make you feel like it's thrilling. You're like, wow, I'm here. What are we... How are we going to get out of this one? It's It's... It can be really addicting. So they can often find as an adult, a fearful avoidant can find themselves in these very unhealthy situations. And they're kind of like, like friends of theirs can be like, how the fuck did you get into this situation? So again, I'll use an, an example from my own life. I had a totally unchecked insecure attachment type most of my life. And I've always worked for nonprofits. And I wanted to go work for a big arts nonprofit, Burning Man. And the environment is super chaotic at that organization. The event itself is out in the desert, all like almost at the end of the world, not literally, but like figuratively. It's like the end of the world. There's no resources. It's extreme, extreme heat during the day, extreme cold during the night. Sometimes it snows at the event. You have to bring in all of your own water and you really have to think about how you're going to live for the week on your own. Like you have to evaporate your water from your shower. You have to bring your shower if you want to take a shower. Not everyone takes a shower out there. (laughs) And so 
the office at Burning Man, in my experience, I'm really speaking from my own experience right now, really reflects that nature of like extremes. And um, there's kind of when I was there, I think a lot has changed since. There's just this really intense vibe of like, you have to prove yourself, you have to prove your worth. You weren't necessarily just accepted as valid and and worthy as soon as you walked in the door. And then I had a really intense relationship with my boss. And I really want to own what I brought to that, which is I was bringing all my own baggage of my relationship with my parents and not being able to trust my caregivers into that office environment. And so it was like everything was working against me. And it was such a tough work environment for me. But it was so chaotic that it just had me on a string. I was like, okay, I know I should get out, but like, what if I just try to do this? Or what if I just do this one more thing and then maybe they'll finally appreciate what I'm doing here? Or maybe I'll finally get through to these people or maybe I'll finally make some change in this organization that actually isn't like at the time wasn't really interested in change. So it was the perfect chaotic environment for me to really play out all the unhealthiest patterns in my attachment style. And it was almost like a yo-yo. Like I would just be like, I would talk to my friends and they would hear what I was going through. And they're like, it sounds like you should leave. And then I would go try to find another job. And I even got another job offer. And I went right back into working for the organization. It was addicting. It was absolutely addicting. I just want to be very clear that while I um, knew that it wasn't the best fit for me or the healthiest workplace, I didn't quite know any better because again, it was my subconscious like uh, comfort zone. So eventually what happens when the fearful avoidant is like deep enough into chaos, and I'm going to list off some other chaotic things that you might be doing in your life. Um, I've, I've spoken with several fearful avoidants that are deep in debt. And oftentimes these folks make a lot of money. But it's just this really interesting thing of like um, their spending tab- habits are super chaotic. They're not necessarily keeping track of money or putting a plan together, having a budget, those types of things. It's just spend, 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 and hope and pray that it's all going to work out. And of course, they find themselves in debt. And then that is kind of this like chaotic, like it's like, I'm, you know, I'm being a little sarcastic here, but this like thing that they're like stuck in and they're like, how am I going to get out of this now? It can look like addiction, substance abuse, um, unhealthy relationships, unhealthy jobs, like I was describing, just putting themselves in situations where you as a more secure leaning person would really just say no to, wouldn't feel safe being around, or wouldn't even be interested in like continuing to have the conversation about entering into that. I was just having a really interesting discovery call. I had so many discovery calls this week. It was so phenomenal. And actually a lot of them were fearful avoidance. So I'm really excited if you're here on this call to talk to you about this stuff. So this person was telling me that their partner is fearful avoidant grew up in a super chaotic upbringing. And when they first started getting together, she was really interested in his more chaotic side. He's kind of, he said he's got this like rebellious streak and he's kind of pushing the boundaries in his own career and his field. And he just like that, that seems to be a constant theme in many different areas of his life. 
his sexuality, um, the way he wants to schedule his day. And so his day in general is like very chaotic. Like, you know, he doesn't want to have a normal kind of nine to five schedule. And so his partner at the beginning was like so attracted to this because again, it's her subconscious comfort zone to be in that chaos. But eventually he said that all of a sudden she flipped and was like not into it at all and kind of trying to really rub up against it. So now I'm going to talk about what happens when you're in that chaotic comfort zone and you're really in that chaos, eventually what happens for the fearful avoidant is they realize like, okay, this actually isn't working for me. So kind of that flip I was describing earlier in my previous role, my previous job is that like all of a sudden I would be like, oh, this really isn't working for me. And then as soon as they realize that, what happens is they try to control the chaos. And anytime control is coming up, we really like that kind of puts us into the conversation about codependency. Because think about it. You have this thing that's like chaotic. You're like, okay, um, this isn't really working for me anymore. I struggle to set boundaries. I struggle to communicate my needs. So the easiest thing I can do for this is to control it. And if I just try to kind of use some manipulation or some control tactics to dampen it, contain it, you know, put it in its place, whatever that is... It's like this interesting double-edged sword that the fearful avoidant carries because they want that chaos so bad and they thrive in it. But then when there's too much, all of a sudden they want to flip it and try to control it. Because control is the easiest, safest way that they know how to get their needs met. That's really all it is. So anytime codependency is coming up, what codependency is actually defined about the relationship between um, someone that's in a relationship with someone that has a substance abuse. And what's happening with with the relationship between the person that has a substance abuse and the person that's in a relationship with them is that there is this codependent nature where the person who has a substance abuse is codependent on the actual substance. And then the person in the relationship with them is codependent on that actual person. And what's happening again is they're getting this like intermittent, inconsistent relationship with this person where sometimes they are themselves and then sometimes they are their substance. And so it's this interesting chaotic nature where the person that's like in the relationship that's not having the substance abuse really goes towards control to try and control the patterns of the person and try to, it's just, I, I find it so innocent. They're innocently trying to get their need met for consistency from this person. And sometimes that looks like trying to control their schedule, trying to um, literally control their substance abuse. I mean, I've been through this in my own marriage for sure. And they think that that's going to be the answer, the solution. But really, the solution is to build communication skills around sharing needs and setting boundaries. And then also building up your self-trust so that you can actually trust yourself to start to share those boundaries, start to communicate those needs so that you're no longer finding yourself in these type of situations where you are in chaos and you're unable to speak your needs and set your boundaries to get out of it. And to start to basically unhook from the addictive and intoxicating nature of chaos, what I always recommend for every single fearful avoidant 
is to start to build that self-trust muscle. So that's where I just want you to start. And the way that you build self-trust is actually just being congruent with what you say you're going to do and then what you do every single day. It's that simple. So it's like when you wake up in the morning, (laughs) I'm already laughing because I'm just thinking like when I set my alarm in the morning, I have two alarms. One that (laughs) I saw hilarious meme. It was like, the first alarm is for the person I want to be. And then the second alarm is the person of who I am. (laughs) And it's kind of like that. So it's like I'm setting an alarm and you're actually waking up at that time. If you're a person that actually wakes up on time with an alarm, I'm not that person. I say that I'm going to take a shower every single morning before I go to work. And then I actually do those things. I say that I'm going to eat a meal before I leave the house. So I'm actually getting breakfast into my body and I'm actually doing those things. So an easy way to just start to build that trust is to write out a list. And I I don't want you to add things to this list that are not feasible for you to actually commit to. What I want you to do is to put things on here that you're already doing that you can count as the actions that you're taking to build trust with yourself. This is not like, okay, now I'm going to go run a mile or a 5K and then I'm going to go eat super healthy um, and I'm going to be in bed by 10. If that's your normal daily life, awesome. Keep doing those things. That's going to help you. But my guess is that if you're here, those probably aren't your normal daily habits. No judgment. I'm not doing any of those things. But I just mean to say, you're not trying to add things on your list that are totally impossible for you to complete by the day's end. What you're trying to do here is say, okay, this is what I can do today in reality. And now I'm going to go execute those plans. So for me, what this looks like just for the first six months of when I was really healing my attachment style, every single night I took a bath. Think about how easy that is. I mean, I'm a mom now, so baths are like out of the picture. But at the time, that was totally easy for me to do. I loved it because it was self-care. It was warmth. It was water. It was like, I would eventually my my bath ritual like was insane. It still is insane. It's like a million candles. And I do like a little herb sachet for the water. And then I put on my seasonal. I, I match it to the astrological seasons. I would put on my seasonal incense. I would light my Virgo candle and then I have a bath playlist. I listened to that playlist during my birth. It was amazing. Um, And so I I would really make just so much like sensual activity out of the bath. Like all of my senses were awakened and, and oh, I had crystals that I would like put in the water and align with my chakras. Like I would go all out. Okay. And in the beginning, I wasn't going all out, but I built up to that whole practice. So what's happening when I took that bath every single day is I knew, okay, you're going to take care of me today for at least an hour. And I know that. And then I would do like a little journal practice either before or after. And then eventually that just built into this amazing practice where I was like, okay, I can totally trust myself. Now I'm going to start to share my needs. I'm going to start to speak my boundaries. And I, I, Mama Bear, Sarah, trust you. So that's what I want you to start to do for yourself is think about what are the things that you do every single day that you can make a commitment to yourself to do in a way that you feel like you are taking care of yourself and you are therefore building that self-trust. 
And then once you start to do that, what's going to happen is you actually radiate that trust outwards to other people. It'll take a while. It's going to take a couple of years. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Just think about where you're at right now in your relationships and, and how this behavior is affecting all of your relationships and your career and your job, like everything. It just affects everything. And think about where you could be in a couple of years after really building that self-trust to the point where you're able to trust your boss and you walk into your work and you can feel like everything they're saying, everything that comes out of their mouth is supportive of you. And it's not a judgment of you. It's not reflective of you, um, like and any shame and any guilt or anything like that. It is just merely them trying to support you in your career. That was a big area for me. So that's why I say that. <laughs> can you tell? But think about the same for a relationship. Like, can you imagine walking in the door and every word out of the mouth of your partner, whoever that is, is so incredibly supportive and loving and it's for you and they have your best interests in mind and they understand your sensitivities and um, your triggers and they try to help you work through them and avoid them so that you're not, you know, not avoiding, like not sharing their needs and being honest, but they're trying to help you just feel as good and lovely and secure and confident as you possibly can. I like, it is totally possible to heal your attachment style. I promise you. Okay. That's my long-winded rant to say that the fearful avoidant loves chaos. There is a way out of it. Eventually, when you start to build the self-trust, you're not going to be interested in that chaos anymore. When I started healing my fearful avoidant attachment style, I was $18,000 in debt. At the time, I didn't have a job. I was living off unemployment while I was building up my podcast. It was such a special time. I paid off that debt and I have never gone into debt since. Not once. And I've been laid off since then. I had a baby. Like Some pretty big life changes have happened and I have not gone back into that debt, which is just like... It's taken me a long time to be like, I'm just not that person anymore. (laughs) That's like a whole, that's like the next level work for for the feel for a blood. And to be like, oh, I I actually had this moment the other day at work where I was like, I used to be the party girl. Like I would um, stay at every staff party. Like I would be the last person to leave. Definitely after several drinks. And now (laughs) I'm just not the party girl anymore. I'm a homebody. I'm a mom. I'm a very, very different person now. And it's taken me a while to be like, I don't have those. Like, I, I'm just not that person anymore. It's a really, really big shift. So yeah, now I get to do that reprogramming work. So that's exciting. <laughs> All right. I hope that helps you understand a little bit more about the fearful of an attachment style and their trend towards chaos. And of course, if you are interested in healing your attachment style, I would love to help you. So I'm a relationship and communication coach. I help folks through one-on-one coaching to show up completely different in relationships. I help you end people-pleasing. I help you really understand what emotions are occurring in your body and how to process them so they don't get stuck inside of you. I help you work through old communication patterns like passive aggressiveness, hoping that other people will just do some mind reading and guess what you need rather than actually saying what you need so that you have a loving, secure, 
just bulletproof relationship where you are feeling like you're just in flow every single day. I want this for you so bad. So if you're interested in creating this life, please book a a free discovery call with me. This call is an hour long. What's going to happen on the call is you're going to learn about your own unique attachments type. You're going to learn about the patterns that are holding you back from secure attachment. And then the very clear path of how that's going to happen in your life. It is a zero pressure situation. I'm just trying to help you get to a decision, whether that's yes or a no. I'm not at all trying to get you to book with me. I actually just had a call with someone. It was so wonderful. And I loved because she brought it up. She was like, I'm interviewing different attachment coaches right now. And I'm really just looking for an attachment coach that I vibe with. And I'm like, that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. So if you feel like we might vibe, I'd love to just have a further conversation to see if this is the right fit for you. Zero pressure, I promise. If you're interested in booking that call, go to sarahcohan.com forward slash coaching. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash coaching. Can't wait to see you there. It'll be so fun. And yeah, I just wish you so much fun on your healing journey because I truly believe this work should and can be fun. That's a value of mine. That's a need of mine. And I bring it to everything that I do. And so I wish you that on your journey. I think it's your best version of you is just right ahead of you. So I hope you have a wonderful week. And of course, I'll be right back here next week talking about more attachment things. Thank you so much. 